Rebels, you're listening to a free audio-only recording of my weekly Wednesday night show, aptly called The Gun Show. Tonight my guest is one of our newest Rebels, Tamara Ugolini, and I thought I would take this opportunity on the show for all of us, including myself, to get to know her a little better. Now, if you like listening to the show, then I promise you're going to love watching it, but in order to watch, you need to be a subscriber to Rebel News Plus. That's what we call our long-form TV style shows here on Rebel News. Subscribers get access to my show as well as Ezra's nightly Ezra Levant show and David Menzies' fun Friday night show Rebel Roundup. It's only eight bucks a month to subscribe and just for my podcast listeners you can save an extra 10% on a new Rebel News Plus subscription by using the coupon code podcast when you subscribe. Just go to rebelnews.com slash subscribe to become a member and please enjoy this free audio only version of my show. Let's get to know one of our newest Rebels a little better this week. My guest tonight is Tamara Ugolini. I'm Sheila Gunn-Reed, and you're watching The Gun Show. got new rebels joining the team. Drea Humphrey is absolutely ripping it up in British Columbia, telling the other side of the story and doing tough, dangerous journalism like visiting homeless encampments and, well, coming within 50 feet of Jonathan Yaniv and his out of control mother. And we've got Lisa Song Sutton in Las Vegas, who is doing some great work on issues that our rebel viewers care about like gun rights issues and what the COVID-19 lockdown has done to small businesses and the entertainment industry specifically on the Las Vegas Strip. And we've got Tamara Ugolini also. She's a mom from Coburg who is one of our fight the fines cases and she was such a fighter that the boss thought why not have her work for us? Now, I think it's safe to say that Tamara does not like the coronavirus restrictions on all of our lives. So just like I did with Drea Humphrey a few weeks ago, I thought I would use my own show to have Tamara on to talk about, well, first off, what it's like to be a rebel. Because my story at Rebel News, it's pretty similar to Tamara's. I was just a regular mom out there on the internet making trouble until all of a sudden I was a journalist at Rebel News. And just a point of clarification, you're going to hear Tamara use words like pro-choice in our interview, but she doesn't mean pro-choice in the abortion sense. She means pro-choice as in choosing to take a Chinese-made vaccine for the coronavirus or not, as opposed to being forced to take it by the government. So friends, here's the interview I recorded with our new rebel, Tamara Ugolini, Monday evening. Joining me now from her home in Coburg, Ontario, is one of the newest rebels. Um, quickly becoming a fan favorite, though, uh, Tamara Ugolini. Tamara, thanks for joining me. I wanted to have you on the show because I think 
people would like to know you a little better. They know your work and they know sort of sort of some of the stuff that you care about uh, through your work and the things that you focus on. But um, I wanted to take this chance to introduce you to our viewers in, I guess, a little longer format. Um, what was it like getting, I guess it was a phone call, maybe an email from Ezra Levant saying, hey, you want to come work for us? Because yeah. I got I got one of those myself and it was weird. Yeah, well, very unexpected right off the bat. Uh, it was an email and then I thought, well, it's probably better suited to be a phone call. So I just kind of sat on it for a little bit, about an hour or so. I immediately like called my husband, my sister, my dad, my, you know, my fan base that's here at home. And uh, just in my mind, tried to wrap my head around what what that might entail or look like for me as a predominantly stay-at-home mom. So uh, yeah, then when Ezra and I chatted, I mean, he seemed very accommodating and understanding that I had some other priorities at this time, um, but also very, uh, what's the word, sort of uh, intrigued by what I could potentially bring to the table. Yeah, you, I, I guess our stories are kind of similar, just normal moms out there. Mm -hmm given her raising a little hell on the internet and uh, then plucked from obscurity. Now, what has been, I guess, one of the uh, things about working for Rebel News that has kind of surprised you, I guess? Uh, gee, I guess mostly the meetings, uh, the, two <laughs> the two times a day being like dedicated. I appreciate that it, they're very timely and everyone's very to the point. Uh, but just trying to kind of work my schedule around those two time slots has been one of the most, that's probably the most difficult thing. I don't know about su surprising necessarily. Um, surprising would probably be just how virtual we can all be and be connected without having to actually leave your house or your sort of locale. So that's been really nice uh, and a bit of a surprise because I thought for sure there would have to be some more travel and I'm sure there will be going moving forward, but just in order to stay connected on the daily that it's so virtual um, has has been a surprise, but nice. Yeah, uh, at Rebel News, we've been working remotely before it was cool and that technology was always there. And it's one of those things that we have really been kind of early adopters of while like the big behemoth of the CBC is just figuring out how to use Skype. We've been doing it for years to do our interviews. Mm -hmm. We're doing it now. Um, mm -hmm. What's like? What has been one of the major adjustments for you? You say you're already getting recognized, aren't you? Yeah. Well, at our at the local gathering here in Coburg, uh, there was a gentleman there who said, "Hey, you're famous," and I thought, "Well, that's a bit of an exaggeration," but uh, he did recognize me. Uh, one of the when we were in Ottawa on Saturday, someone recognized me on the street. Um, and then one of the people who I interviewed uh, seemed to be quite thrilled. He was a big Rebel News supporter and uh, was familiar with some of the videos I'd already been putting out. So he knew my name, called me right over, um, pretty much welcomed me as his new friend. So it's been, yeah, it's been interesting, but something I kind of expected would happen, just maybe not so soon. Um, I wanted to ask you... Um, you are kind of new to political activism, I guess, 
um, and correct me if that's wrong, but what sort of spurred you into this? For me, it was like all of a sudden Alberta's spiraling into debt, at, frankly, under the progressive conservatives at the time. And I thought this is not the Alberta of Ralph Klein. And I sort of became politically active online because of that. But what was that thing that made you say, well, uh, I guess it's going to be me who's going to step up and say something. Yeah, I mean, I could go back uh, about a decade ago when I first became pregnant with my eldest. Um, and I started to research a lot of things related to, to health and wellness. And I started to find that what we were being told by some of our government agencies, like Health Canada, wasn't actually as accurate as what I was finding alternatively. And so, I mean, my whole lifestyle did a complete 180 at that time. I was 10 years ago, a completely different person. So it's kind of just been an incremental change over the course of developing as a mom and, uh, you know, taking taking knowledge into my own hands and sort of trying to decipher where what the truth may be in certain matters. And then, of course, during this COVID shutdown, I mean, I've been an advocate for pro-choice and pro-informed consent. I, I guess that could go back about a decade. Um, but when we started to see these these lockdowns happening and taking away the general public's freedom of choice, like arbitrarily shutting down businesses and small businesses and telling people that they couldn't visit with their elderly, with their families. I mean, that right away just took away so much choice for the general public. And that was a big concern of mine, especially as, you know, in the beginning, you don't know what, what, what we're dealing with. We were all okay, yeah, let's shut things down. Let's see what's going on. Are we going to see people dropping like flies in the streets like the 1918 Spanish flu, which that was actually a pandemic. And then as a couple of weeks went on and, and we weren't seeing those things, you weren't hearing those numbers, I started to say, well, what's going on here and why aren't people being allowed to decipher and discern and make those decisions for themselves? So it just sort of spiraled into this advocacy and activism work with us then a small crowd and we've just sort of grown from there now you've ended up arrested <laughs> because of your um advocacy work and um that was before you came to us but that's one yes. of the reasons we found you mm -hmm. uh, how what's that like like it just like one day you're just giving her out there saying, I believe I'm pro-choice in that I believe in. Uh, you have, you know, the right to choose how you live your life. I just yes. want to be clear because pro-choice generally has an, a different connotation. But um, right. yes. and then you end up like in handcuffs. What's that mm -hmm. like? That's crazy. I mean, it was pretty traumatic. I do have uh, the whole thing recorded. And admittedly, I haven't been able to go back and watch it because it was a traumatic event. Um, yeah. But I'm also not one that just sort of backs down to to someone who is exercising authority in a way that to me is not lawful. Um, so I was respectful. I was peaceful. I mean, at the end of the day, I was walking a beach shoreline. Like I'm not a seasoned hardened criminal. Um, and that's <laughs> while we are letting actual, um, convicted criminals out of prison. I'm being then taken in handcuffs, mom of three, four with my bonus son, um, in handcuffs and held in a jail cell. 
Like this wasn't just some little, oh, you know, as they did with my dad on the beach, oh, we'll arrest you and then we're going to unarrest you. No, I remained in custody for almost two hours uh, for at the end of the day, again, walking a beach shoreline. Yeah. And you make an excellent point that hundreds of people awaiting trial or people who probably shouldn't qualify for bail and yet are are being released Mm -hmm. from Ontario's prison system. Some of Mm -hmm. them are getting early release, so they're convicted and they're getting early release. They're being shuffled out the door for their safety, and you're a mom of four, (laughs) and you're being thrown in the slammer. Like, the priorities during this pandemic are so bizarre, and you're not the first mom. I had an interview uh, for one of our Fight the Fines cases Um, with a young mom who had been handcuffed and then searched under her clothing and stuffed in a cop car because she let her daughter go in a park and go on the swing set all alone. Mm -hmm. There was nobody else in the park. That's that's the new normal they want us to live in, that this is okay, that cops are doing this, and, and we're all just supposed to put a mask on and shut up about it. It's so crazy. And the funny thing was, is none of the police, which I think there was three three police cruisers that ended up responding to the call of myself and a sixty <laughs> wow. year old my sixty year old friend, and none of them had masks or gloves on. So, the, again, the hypocrisy of the new normal is just insane. And like I interviewed Randy Hillier on Friday, you know, he says they'll only get away with these impositions as long as the people comply. So when enough of us start to say enough's enough here, this isn't making sense, that's when we can see some tangible changes happen, I, I think. Yeah, that interview with Randy Hillier was great because I think he's got it figured right out. He's got, like, even well-meaning conservative governments, and I'm, I'm not sure whether that applies to Ontario or not at this point, <laughs> but... But even like well-meaning governments, conservative governments, strongly conservative governments, like the one out here in Alberta, they don't want to admit that they got this wrong. They don't want to admit that they got these catastrophic, uh, like as Randy puts it, apocalyptic predictions dead Mm -hmm. wrong. And Mm -hmm. now what did they do? Because it's it's one thing to do it. And it's another thing to have done it and for all of it to be for nothing. And so now they foster this culture of fear with people Mm -hmm. just to keep it going instead of admitting they were just wrong. Well, and how do you then become accountable for people literally devastating people's lives? And I mean, potentially killing so many elderly, like who takes responsibility for that? So it's, it's a very sticky situation for the government. And uh, I mean, it's just crazy that we can't say enough's enough and rein it back in. But people are so terrified. People, Randy even said, I don't know if we caught it in the interview, um, but he said he has constituents that probably will never leave their house again. Yeah, yeah, because they think there's this deadly bug floating around out there mm-hmm. to kill them and their grandchildren or their grandparents. Uh, it's, mm-hmm. it's you, you make a great point when you say, okay, well, if the government admits that they're wrong, then the government is then responsible yes. for mm-hmm. all the devastation that follows from this. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you went to Ottawa to mm-hmm. cover a massive protest. Thousands yeah. of people on Parliament mm-hmm. Hill. Um, not a lot of mainstream media involved. And that's weird because normally if three BLM 
uh, members are gathered together in protest. There's like three satellite trucks from CBC there. Yes. Uh, yeah. Not a lot of mainstream media coverage of what went no. on in Parliament Hill, but you were there. Tell me some of the mm -hmm. highlights. Well, so first of all, I did hear that the CBC was there at the very, I guess the very beginning. There was some um, discrepancy on what time the event actually started. So I imagine they came before it was really in full swing. Of course. Um, so that's <laughs> where maybe their report that it was a couple hundred people in attendance was because no one was really there yet. Uh, but but the day, I mean, it was amazing. The weather, I, I think that if the weather was just that little bit better, there would have been an influx even more so of people. Uh, I would say probably about half of those in attendance were from Quebec. So that did make interviewing a little bit difficult. I had a lot of people who, you know, there was a language barrier. Unfortunately, I don't speak French and obviously some of them uh, don't speak English. So that was, that was, I, I don't want to say too bad, but just an unfortunate part of trying to get feedback from people is that a lot of the people with great signage and with a lot of the passion didn't unfortunately speak English. Um, but otherwise, like the speeches were from what I could hear in between being, you know, on the ground were well orchestrated. Um, they had some live bands. I mean, the energy in general was great. I never feared for my life or that I was going to be attacked. Yeah, that's um, new. <laughs> <laughs> so that was reassuring. That was really nice. And then of course, finding uh, the pastor and his congregation from Alamer, yeah. that was really nice too, to see more of those, you know, th these different pockets of different people coming together for a, a united front. Yeah, I think your coverage captured that. There are the people who are like the like the Quebecers who are like, uh, we don't like Canada telling us what to do. Mm -hmm. I can relate. <laughs> um, yes. The, the pastor who wants religious freedom and to be, mm -hmm. again, left alone. And mm -hmm. then there are people who really see this as creeping tyranny. And it's not so mm -hmm. creepy anymore. It's right out there in the light of day. And mm -hmm. so I think that really came across in your coverage. Um, I know that um, Maxime Bernier was there. Did you see yes. any other politicians, conservative politicians? Did they show up? No, not a trace. He was the only politician from what I saw and from what I heard speaking to others that showed up. And that was the same uh, as Canada Day, July 1st. I was in Ottawa then as well, not not reporting, but as a as a um, attendee. And uh, same, Maxime was the only one from any political party that was present and speaking to people. You know, I, that's a shame. I think that's mm -hmm. really the Conservative Party dropping the ball because I mm -hmm. would suggest that by and large, those people are or would consider themselves pretty mainstream conservatives. And mm -hmm. if you need Quebec to win the country, which I'm not sure that you do, but if that's the political strategy of the Conservative Party of Canada, why aren't you there at yeah. an event full of Quebec conservatives? It's mm -hmm. just, it's like they want to lose again. Exactly. I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, the other thing, just on that note, is I always wonder, too, you know, at the beginning, uh, Doug Ford was seen or was heard calling the people that gather in at the Queen's Park protest a bunch of yahoos. And it's like, well, if you're there in the uh, the the uh, what's the word I'm looking for, the parliamentary building, uh, then why don't you just come out and address those people? I mean, what's why wouldn't you want to engage in some dialogue and maybe get some feedback or hear their concerns and and see if they're valid before, you know, you resort to bullying and name calling? Yeah, that's a great point. And I think David has been so great at explaining 
the concerns of Yahoo Nation. They call themselves now. They completely embrace. <laughs> They've embraced that it. Name. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and uh, I would suggest until Doug Ford started calling them names and belittling them, they were probably Doug Ford voters. Mm-hmm, um, many, many of them, mm-hmm. um, and we're looking for something different when they voted for Doug Ford. And unfortunately, they're getting a, a lot more of the same from him. And it's very disappointing because I genuinely like him and I was hopeful um, that Canada's most populous province would have someone who would do something different than the Liberals have always done there. Yes, that's right. Um, now, I know that it's um, it's after work for you. <laughs> work never ends for me. Yeah, it's 24-7 um, here. <laughs> work never ends for Sheila. But um, I, I wanted to uh, ask you, because we do get a lot of freedom um, about the topics that we can cover here at Rebel News. I mean, we basically, if it matters to us, uh, we assume that it matters to a conservative viewer out there. And uh, so we can talk about these sorts of things. What are some of the issues that you want to use your new platform at Rebel News to focus on? Well, definitely going back to that uh, informed consent and pro-choice across the board. Uh, one of my main, the the main sort of topics I got into for advocacy was uh, vaccination and the freedom to make those medical choices. And then, of course, the parental rights to make those informed choices for your children. Um, so that was that's something that's been pretty heavily on my radar. Again, going back about a decade, um, but more recently with the changes that the Liberals brought about to the Immunization of School Pupils Act, uh, and sort of some of the verbiage that's now included in this this legally binding affidavit the parents are to sign if they would like their children to be exempt from vaccines. And so just just around, uh, like I, I, I keep going back to the the informed consent, and that's true informed consent. and and I think we're seeing a lot of um, the the data and the stats being really skewed by the government during this COVID-19 pandemic and sort of pushing what Randy Hillier even term, ter- coined in our interview, the case-demic. And so it's it's learning how to go back and, and actually look at what's really being put out behind the scenes and deciphering for yourself and saying, you know what, these actually, this X, Y, Z doesn't connect here. These dots aren't connecting. And so um, how do we get more accurate data and stats from our government and from the governing agencies? And how do we give parents and people in general that choice without these potentially incriminating legally binding affidavits? That's very concerning for me. And again, that was the Liberals that changed that. I think it was in 2017, they changed the ISPA. Uh, so, So that's where I started a lot of the more advocacy style work. And that was on behalf of my child. It's interesting because even if we do get the so-called accurate data from the government with regard to the COVID numbers, they can just come out six months later, six months into two weeks to flatten the curve and (laughs) say, oh, by the way, we got it uh, 94 to 96% wrong, which is what the CDC just did. I was just going to say the CDC, what, 6% of people actually died of COVID-19. The 94 other percent of people had comorbidities that were probably what killed them. And, you know, COVID was just an aspect of that, 
Um, and I think the important thing to note as well uh, is that freedom of information request that there was a woman, I think it was in Brampton that she did, um, that they, Health Canada hasn't actually isolated the SARS-CoV-2 virus on its own. So it's always been studied or tested uh, with some sort of protein attached to it. The actual virus itself hasn't been isolated and this isn't common knowledge. I mean, people don't know that they think they trust what the media puts out that, oh, it's been isolated and we can develop a vaccine now. And actually, well, you know, it, it hasn't. And we can go back to the Health Canada Freedom of Information request and, and find that out. I mean, the information's there, it's readily available. You just need to know where to look. And it's sad that, in my opinion, it's sad that our governing agencies and our elected officials and our, our mainstream media isn't putting that out there for people to know. Yeah, it, the mainstream media is not asking the questions because they wouldn't want Justin Trudeau's liberals to be wrong. And that's with regard to everything, Every, everything that's happening right now. Uh, how well, many you don't people bite are the, actually the hand that feeds you. Thank you. Exactly. So. Okay, well, Tamara, it is, we're 22 minutes into the interview, and this is your evening with your beautiful family. So uh, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. I hope people got a chance to learn a little bit more about you and the kind of person mm -hmm. that you are. And um, we'll have you back on the show again very soon. Great, looking forward to it. Thanks, Sheila. Like with Dre Humphrey and like with Lisa Song Sutton, I'm very excited to see what Tamara does next. I think we are all going to be very busy here at Rebel News because there's absolutely no shortage of government impositions on our lives for us to cover during this pandemic that has no end in sight, no matter how flat that curve gets. The rules are dumb and the government right now is even dumber and a lot of people are lockdown skeptics and more lockdown skeptics are being created every single day. Well, everybody, that's the show for tonight. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'll see everybody back here in the same time, in the same place next week. And remember, don't let the government tell you that you've had too much to think.